Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. been expanding we're we're, uh, we're getting ready in just a few weeks we're going to be over there and be able to have worship over there and you know what I'm most looking forward to is the air conditioning actually being appropriate for the size of the room let's go this <laughs> is so much right now uh, but if we're going to be over there it's going to be amazing and uh, until then uh, we're going to the two services as Abby mentioned and the nice thing is with no wall we can kind of adjust the size of the room to whatever we need in this space so it's a great opportunity for us to give the team a break which I just want to thank especially our worship team today these people come and they do three services of worship every week let's give them a hand They do so good. They do so good. And, uh, and, and here's the deal. As a church, we're expanding our building. But uh, listen, our goal is not to be some big church. Our goal is not to gather a large crowd. Our goal is to leave real impact in this valley. Like, that's our purpose. Our, our goal is that, that, that people that are struggling with depression and suicide, that they would find Jesus and freedom. Our goal is that marriages that are, that are falling apart would find Jesus and healing and hope. Our goal is that your family and your friends, those that are far from God, would come to know him and follow him fully. Like, that's the real goal here. And, and, and part of that goal, part of that, that direction that we have as a church looks like investing in uh, young leaders that we see a call of God in their life. Old leaders and young leaders, but specifically giving the next generation an opportunity. Uh, I think sometimes people just wonder like, well, well, I'll hear older ministers talk about, I don't know if this next generation's going to, and I'm sorry if you're older and my older accent is offensive, but I don't know if this next generation... <laughs> Is going to be able to hold it. And I'm just telling you, I believe in the next generation. Believe in them. I, I, and so when we, when we identify people with the calling of God on their life and they're moving towards the things of God, we want, to, we want to encourage that. We want to support that. We want to get behind that. And so part of what that looks like for us is what we're doing today. A couple of times a year, we do what we call communicator weekends. And these are weekends where we give uh, people an opportunity to preach that, that don't have a lot of reps. They're not some pastor from, from outside of the state coming here with a message that they've preached 30 times. And they can just, this is somebody that is in our house and we see the call of God in their life and we want to encourage that. And so I want to introduce to you, uh, we've, had, we've had two speakers each service, so it's uh, not the same, they're, they're, they're two every service, and uh, so this final service, you are in for a treat. Our, our first speaker is Joe Westrich, and... <laughs> 
We, we love Joe. Joe's been with us for a short time. He moved here from Missouri, and, uh, and Joe had he'd graduated Bible school, was in Missouri, in Missouri uh, working on some things, and uh, he just felt like God was calling him uh, to just come be a part of Celebration Church. And so he traveled in the middle of winter, in the middle of a snowstorm, uh, to come and be a part. And since he's been here, he's gotten involved in the church. Uh, specifically, if you've gone to any of the 10 o'clock um, uh, classes, that we're doing, the new believers classes at 10 o'clock. Joe is part of the teaching team for those classes. So I'm excited to hear Joe. He's going to be preaching. And then, then the next speaker is Derek Coram. And let's go. Derek is somebody who was saved in this church and has been a part of this church for a long time. He left and went to Bible school somewhere else. And when somebody usually goes to Bible school, you never see them again. Uh, but he just, uh, at the end of that, he felt like God was still speaking to him. Come, come back and, and be faithful to where, where I found you. And so uh, Derek has come back and he's been a part. He's currently, uh, he's overseeing our, our groups that we do uh, all the, uh, during the summer, spring and fall. He also oversees our first impressions, as well as a bunch of other things around here. So I'm super excited to hear from both Joe and Derek. You guys ready? <clears throat> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's some ground rules. Here's some ground rules. Okay, this is a developmental or a, 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 a de developmental service. So what that means is, these people, uh, th what they need from you is encouragement, and they need you to, to be supporting them, okay? Uh, and, and so what that looks like is if they tell a joke, laugh at the joke, even if it's half funny, right? Half funny, full laugh, okay? <clears throat> but they're actually funny. They, they are actually funny, okay? <laughs> the next thing is, like, in, as a, so public speaking or preaching or whatever you want to call it, when they do studies on fear, it's a fear that ranks higher than death. It really does. In, the, in, the, 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 in people, it's a, it's a higher fear than death to get up here. And so I just want to encourage you. When they say something that, like, resonates with you, give them an amen. You know, get, let's practice. Ready? Amen. All right, there, there we go. There we go. Give, me, give me, like, a, he's in the word. Now, you got to say it with some soul. He's in the word. Ah, like, give me a like, he ain't lying. Yeah. There, we, there we go. That's what I want from you. Cheer him on. Let's go. <clears throat> Good job. Well, good morning, church. It is an honor to be in the house of the Lord with you all this morning. Mm. Those of you I have not had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Joe. I am from Missouri, as Pastor Rogers said. I know I'm not one of those California implants, although people have been known to call Missouri the California of the Midwest. I think that's the first time somebody said that, but. <clears throat> Anyways, you guys are looking great. It is awesome to see you here today. Anybody want to be honest? And they were shooting for the 10 o'clock and they kind of slept in, so we're here today. Anyways, we're glad you're here anyway. We're glad you made it. We got some special stuff in store for you today. Maybe, uh, I'm like a, I like to set ambitious alarms, too. I like to do that. I'm the kind of person, like one of those weirdos who's got to set like 45 different alarms every single morning. Like I got like five-minute intervals where like, you know, like I'm just, I sleep like a rock. Any of my roommates and my mother can attest to this. I will sleep through it. I'm like, you hear that alarm in my dreams. I'm just vibing to it, you know. Don't hear it at all. But I got them like spaced out like this and I'm like, you have that little bit of, like I do it manually as well. I'm like one of those psychopaths who every single night I'm in there 
right before I go to bed, I'm clicking like on, 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 scroll, on, 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 scroll. I'm doing that every single night because I got this little bit of like doubt. I'm like, what if my phone just like doesn't auto set it? Like, you know, and then I'm gonna like sleep in, I'm gonna be late for work, you know, you like lose your job, like you start spiraling down, like worst case scenario, everything was happening. Like you get that like little bit of doubt of like something that could happen yesterday that can affect tomorrow. And maybe that's something that we can all relate with a little bit. Maybe we have like a something we were praying for yesterday that we just, like a job that we really wanted that just was didn't happen. Or like a, a relationship that we really thought was going to work out that we were really praying for that just didn't work out. We had this little bit of doubt, maybe the struggle that we've been praying against for so long and it just keeps coming back. But we had this little bit of doubt in us that's affecting our tomorrow. And we're going to look at a passage in Acts chapter 12 today that's going to be showing us a little bit of what that looks like. So for the sake of time, I'm just going to give us the lay of the land here. It's going to be Acts chapter 12. It starts off with the Apostle James, who's one of the disciples of Jesus, being arrested and being executed. Now, this was ordered out by King Herod, who is actually the grandson of the Herod that we get to read about in the birth story of Jesus. There's fun little trivia fact for those who like those. Um, so Herod, after he kills James, he kind of like, he sends out some surveys, he gets the feelers out, he wants to see what the people think about it. And it says that, he says that it pleased the Jews. And so he's, he's feeling pretty good. He's like, okay, they liked that one. Let's, uh, I'm going to go after one of the big fish. You know, let's get, let's get that, that guy that Jesus said was the rock that he was going to build his church on. Let's go after Peter. You know, like if we take him down, this whole thing might come crumbling down. So Peter, he's arrested. They chained him up real good. Like, they've got him, they got two guards in the room with him. They got one guard, he's chained to one foot on one side, and he's got over here, his other foot's chained up to another guard's foot. He's foot to foot, both sides. He's got guards at the door. Prison break is looking grim. It's not optimistic in the situation. But thankfully, it was during the week of the Passover. And so, it was a Jewish custom that you can't execute anybody in the Passover week. So, he's, he's got a little time. He's sitting there, he's, he's, in the, he's praying, you know. And it tells us that an angel of the Lord came into the cell with light shining and strikes him in the side and tells him, get up, Peter, come on, put on your shoes, put on your shirt, we have to go. I imagine that's a, a similar scene to some of you parents this morning trying to get your kids here to church. <laughs> so the angel, he guides Peter past the guards, out of the prison, out of the city, and it says he was sure that the Lord had rescued him from prison. Now we're going to pick up here in verse 12. It says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked on the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. This passage is always so interesting to me. It's, first off, like Luke, the author, has to just put Rhoda on blast like that. She's at the door. She hears the knocking, and he hears his voice. And Peter's, he's, I think he's trying to be discreet. Like, he's a felon at large. He's, he's trying not to make a commotion about this. He's, he's at the door like, hey, Rhoda, answer. Come on. Let me in, let me in. Come on. It's me, it's Peter, it's Peter. And Rhoda's like, it's a miracle. 
and just starts running. She runs away. She's got to go tell the good news. She's got to tell everybody. And Peter's just standing there like, what? Like, come on. Like, she goes over and she tells, she's telling the believers in the room, like, guys, you can't, you're not going to believe this. It's Peter. They're like, no shot. It's Peter. You know where he's at. He's in prison, silly. Like, this is the church. These are the believers. These are the people who saw Jesus firsthand raised from the dead. Like, they gathered together specifically in this house to pray for this release. And they, they don't believe it. I used to take a lot of comfort in that verse where I'm thinking, you know, we're not so bad today. Like, I've got more faith than that. Like, it's feeling pretty good about it. But then I think back and you look at the beginning of the passage and where it started. The author, Luke, he only gives us two verses, but he tells us that James was arrested and James was executed. James is dead. Now, they're gathered together to pray for Peter, but it'd be foolish of me to think that they weren't gathered in a similar manner praying for James. They were praying for his release, but he's still killed. This really changed my perspective of this church and their prayers here. Now, I want to ask us a question that God really put on my heart this past week of, how can we have faith for tomorrow's prayer when yesterday's feels unanswered? I'm going to say that again. How can we have faith for tomorrow's prayer when yesterday's feels unanswered? Now, this is a question I've been wrestling with for the past few weeks. Um, I'm thinking, like, you know, is it like a doubt issue in my faith? I know God can do it. I've seen him do it. But, you know, it's like you eat some popcorn and, like, you got, you got a little bit like a kernel of doubt just, you know, it's just nagging at you, like, you, know, you got your tongue, you're trying to pick at it all day. You're like, mm, I've seen you do it, God. I know you can do it, but well, what about yesterday? Mm. God's not afraid of our doubts, guys. He's not up there shaking. His shivers aren't timbered. Guys, I'm going to read us a passage out of Scripture, a psalm, actually. Now, the psalms are mostly poetry, and it's often like a man sharing his heart. He's either sharing it in praise, he's sharing it in a lament, just, or just pure frustration with God in a very like real, very raw way. And so I'm going to be reading this out of the message so we can really hear what the author Asaph he's getting at with this poem. It starts, No doubt about it, God is good. Good to good people. Good to the good-hearted. But I nearly missed it. Miss seeing his goodness. I was looking the other way, looking up to the people at the top. Envying the wicked who have made it, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole wide world. Pretentious with arrogance, they wear the latest fashions and violence, pampered out and overfed, decked out in silver bows of silliness. They jeer, using words to kill. They bully their way with words. They are full of hot air, loud mouths disturbing the peace. People actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Like thirsty puppies, they lap up their words. What is going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody is tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have it made, piling up riches. I have been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck, that's what. A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. If I had given in a talk like this, I would have betrayed your dear children. 
Still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache until I entered into the sanctuary of God. Then I saw the whole picture, the slippery road you've put them on with a final crash and a ditch of delusions. In the blink of an eye, disaster, a blind curve in the dark and nightmare. We wake up and rub our eyes, nothing. There's nothing to them, and there never was. When I was beluggered and bitter, totally consumed by envy, I was totally ignorant. A dumb ox in your very presence. I am still in your presence, but you have taken my hand. You wisely and tenderly lead me, and then you bless me. You are all I want in heaven. You are all I want on earth. When my skin sags and my bones get brittle, God is rock firm and faithful. Look, those who you left are falling apart, deserters. They will never be heard from again. But I am in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I have made Lord God my home. God, I am telling the world what you do. This is a man's heart just laid out raw what he is feeling before God. He has doubts. He's thinking, is all of this worth it? Why should I even try to do good? It seems to make no difference to me. He's having this moment of doubt, but God wasn't afraid of Asaph's doubts. In fact, he put it in scripture. Man's words doubting God became God's words to doubting people. Man's words doubting God became God's words to doubting people. Faith and doubt, they're not mutually exclusive. While our mind might race back and forth and we can't get past these doubts, and the good news is our faith is not about mental certitude. Abraham, who's given the nickname Father of Faith, I'm pretty sure he's having some serious doubts when God told him, go climb that mountain, go sacrifice your son. I don't think he had full mental certitude with what he was doing there. But it was his obedience to God that it said faith was granted to him. It's okay to have doubts. You're not the first person to be having them. You're not the only person in your row right now who might have them. But we don't hang our hats on our mental certitude. We get to hang our hats on the promises of God. We're going to take a quick look at Hebrews 11, verses 7 to 12 real quick. It says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark before the saving of his household. By this, he he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went in to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, who designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she had considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. The author, he's rattling off so many examples. Actually, in verse 32, he says, I don't even have time to get into Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jepheth, David, Samuel, or the prophets. The list just keeps going. And in verse 39, he says, all of this, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, 
that apart from this, that they should not be made perfect. All of these biblical heroes of faith, all of these stories, were, they're stories of people accredited faith by their obedience here, by the grace of God. They got to hang their hat on the promises of God, and yet they died without seeing everything fulfilled. Church, I want to encourage us today. We live in the, we have a luxury. We have something called long hindsight where we can look into the scriptures and we get to see what's happening. We get to see the promises. We can turn two pages and we can see them fulfilled, but they didn't have that luxury. And we don't have that luxury in our lives currently with our own circumstances. But what we do have, we've got a resurrected Savior, guys. We can hang our hats on the promises of God. We can hang our hats on the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior. If doubts come, we are not shaken. If that relationship we prayed for doesn't work out, if that job doesn't work out, if that anything we're praying for doesn't work out, that sickness that comes in that won't go away, we feel God is silent maybe. We feel like God's not answering our prayers. We feel that maybe God has just forgotten about me. Church, Charles Spurgeon once said, child of God, you cost Christ far too much for him to ever forget about you. So tomorrow, when we are faced with times of doubt, when we feel that God might not be listening, we assured that our faith is fixed on a risen Savior. He is not withholding from you. He is not silent with you. But like Abraham, we might not see it. And like the early church, we might have doubts or might not understand what God is doing. We are obedient. And we get on our knees and we pray to our Savior. And we hang our hat. We hold tight to his promises and have faith that his grace is enough for us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Oh, man. Let's go, Joe. Man. Woo! How can I have faith in tomorrow's prayers when yesterday's still feel unanswered? Man, Joe, I'm so proud of you. I can't say it's too much. Joe and I did Bible college together, so I'll start crying if I start... I'll tell him later. I'll tell him later. That was, that was super special, John. I'm so glad you're here. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Derek, like Roger said, and I get the privilege of being part of the team here at Celebration Church. And so if you are new or visiting, a huge warm welcome. Thank you for spending part of your Memorial Day weekend with us. And I am believing that today, that today that a small part of what God's been speaking to me will speak to you that during my current season of growth, that God will grow something in you. I keep seeing this just, this seed being planted. And I, I'm believing that it's gonna be, that it's gonna grow into a mighty oak of the promises of God. I pray that when you walk out of here today, that you can trust God, even when he seems silent or the outcome seems unknown. I feel like I've been getting this question this season Pastor Roger asked us, what's God been speaking to you? And the question I keep getting over and over again is, will I trust God's plan even though I can't see the outcome? Will I trust in his plan even though I cannot see the outcome? Something many of you might not know about me is uh, I did Bible college in Australia. That landed a little better this time. Of course, of course you guys know, I, I talk about it all the time. Absolute broken record about it. I think I talk about it almost as much as Pastor Roger mentions he's from Alaska. <laughs> almost. About the same. Like, we get it. You're better than us. The lower 48's terrible. We understand. You're from Alaska. We know. I didn't grow up munching on moose meat. I didn't even know that was a thing until literally like 30 minutes ago. And so... 
But I, I mention Australia and I bring it up a lot because it shaped me as who I am. It, it was a core, pivotal part of my life. The majority of my 20s were spent there in Bible college, pursuing God away from family. Your friends become your family and you're like, Lord, you're all I got. I, use me, whatever you want. And I believe that God met me there and he walked with me. And over my time there, I, I had this moment when I was leaving that I had this fear that I was going to leave God there. That for some reason, a plane was going to like stop God from traveling back to America. But like, it was a very sacred place for me. And so I was like, Lord, if I go back, like, uh, are you going to be there with me? And I had this moment. It was actually from Joe was the one that encouraged me with this, where I landed back in America and, and I was hanging out with the guys and, and he goes, Derek, I think the time in Australia, don't make it a monument in your life. Something you're constantly going back to, like, oh, this is the time, Lord, this is the only place you've met me. But instead, think of it as a signpost. You're going somewhere. God, these are just moments. These are signposts to the more that you have for my future. When I was leaving Australia, December 6th, 2021, I'm on the plane, sitting by the window, classic, and there's rain coming down on the window. I'm like, oh, God, you're crying with me. This is so great. And, <laughs> and I'm leaving, I'm leaving everything. Like I'm genuinely, I'm leaving everything I know. I'm leaving, I'm leaving everything I know. And, and I'm, I'm crying, I'm listening to sad music, terrible idea. Like I'm listening to Green Day, good riddance, best time of your life. If you don't know what the song is, go to any high school graduation at this moment. And it's the final song that plays. And, and the flight attendant, he comes up to me, Dan, this big New Zealand guy, and he goes, hey, bro, you okay? And I was like, Dan, I am not okay. Like, let me tell you, I am so far from okay right now. I'm so far from okay. I am stepping into a new season of the unknown. I'm leaving everything behind to chase God again. And I, I genuinely believe and still do believe that I am called to this church at this time, to these pastors at this time. Have you ever had to trust God in a season of unknowing? This could be your season right now. Maybe you have a complex family situation. You're like, Lord, this looks impossible. You have, to, you have to show up for me. Or maybe you just moved here from California and you're like, man, these crazy Idahoans, if they could just figure out how to zipper merge, everything would be better with the traffic. Completely fixed. Two lanes, both go through the intersection, remerge. Maybe, maybe more serious, maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you're like, I, I don't know what to do. Maybe your business is just failing and you're barely hanging on or, or maybe you've been given a life-altering medical diagnosis and things look super grim. Or maybe in a room this size, I don't want to be ignorant about it, but maybe you're actually not a believer in the room and you're just exploring your face. You're ki kicking the rocks and you're just like, Lord, or you're like, I don't actually know what, what I'm doing here, but someone just kind of dragged me in. And, but I understand not trusting or not knowing what the future holds. Or maybe you just thought life was going to look different than it does now, and you're disappointed. I feel like within these last few months, God has been teaching me to trust in him. And in doing that, he's having me rest in the Psalms. I love the Psalms so much. And as Joe already mentioned, what, what are the Psalms? They're poetry, a collection of poetry found in the center of your Bible in the Old Testament side. And I believe they have profound help for us today. The Psalms express every emotion of the human experience. 
There's psalms of joy and love and sadness and grief and pain and excitement and disappointment and hope, just to name a few. They're written within a time of Israel's history. So the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God, written by people like King David. We have Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Or by a group of people, the the sons or the descendants of Korah. Now, I'll be referring to the author of the Psalms as the psalmist. And what I want us to do as we walk out of here today is to think like the psalmist. Let's think like the psalmist. Let's put on their hat for a moment. There's different types of psalms. There's hymns and laments, so praises to God, or crying out our sorrows, or psalms of remembrance, of praise, of confidence. The psalms appeal to the whole person, and they demand a response. The psalms inform our intellect. They arouse our emotion, direct our wills, and stimulate our imagination. I believe that when we read the psalms with faith, we walk away changed, not simply informed. We walk away changed, not simply informed. It's the word of God. It's the power of the word of God. We walk away changed, not just informed. The Psalms are a sort of literary sanctuary in the center of the scriptures, a place where God meets his people and in a special way where his people may address him, like I said, with their praises, their laments, their sorrows, their pains, their excitement, their joy of the future. The Psalms provide a mirror to our soul. They show us what's in us. In different seasons, I believe we all can relate to the psalmist. So today, let's think like the psalmist. In a season when you may not trust God or know what the future holds, do we cry out to him? Even when he seems far and absent or distant, I want you to know, friend, you're not alone. You're in good company. Psalms 44, 23 to 26 says, Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust, our bodies cling to the ground, rise up and help us, rescue us because of your unfailing love. Who's happy to be in church today? Yay! But even the authenticity and the rawness of the psalmist, I think in these last couple months, I don't think I've prayed as raw as I have now with God. Awake, Lord. Do you not see me? Why do you hide your face? Awake. Why Are you sleeping? That's, that's, that's scripture. How about Psalms 22, as, as Jesus would quote on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Have you ever been that real with God? I I find it fascinating because these Psalms are in scripture and so they are used as worship and praise to our God. God is not scared of our questions. He's not scared of our emotions. He's not scared or shying away from the reality of life sometimes. And I want to remind us of a core nature of the God that we serve. I hope this builds your faith in him, that God is trustworthy, church. He is trustworthy. Again, the psalmist appoint, attests to this point. Psalm 56, three to four, it says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God, I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Or Psalm 9, nine through 10, 
The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Whatever situation you're facing, know that you could put your trust in God. Or how about Psalm 59, 16 to 17? But I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. He's trustworthy, church. He's your fortress that will never crumble. Yet, if we're honest still, if we're honest, there are times when God seems quiet and distant. Again, we're in good company. The psalmist attests to these accounts. Psalm 35, 22 starts with, Lord, you have seen this. This is the psalmist talking about the oppression being attacked. Lord, you have seen what they're doing. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake, rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God, my Lord. Vindicate me in your righteousness. Lord, my God, do not let them gloat over me. I'm on my plane and... I'm flying back, and like I said, I'm, I feel like I'm in a 90s music video over here. Rain coming down, soft music in my ears. I'm crying. Dan's being like, hey, bro, here's a tissue. And I'm like, oh, man, you're so kind. I need you right now. And, and I really felt like God implanted something in my heart. But he says, son, you were once again leaving the land of familiar, and you are moving into the land of the unknown so that you can rely and trust on me again just like I did when I left. It took me from a, a, a place of comfortability and I got saved in this church. This was everything. And then he's like, no, we're, we're going. We're going to something new. So I, I did what I probably should have done in the beginning and I changed my music. Sorry, Green Day. And I put on some worship music and I, I landed on Promises by Maverick City. It's a great song. Not even one of the lyrics that encouraged me, though, is actually just a background vocal to saying something. And she says, seasons change, but you remain the same. Our seasons are going to change, but God, you remain the same. We can have trust in God because he is not changed. He is the faithful one. Hebrews 13, 6 to 8 says, so we can say with confidence. And now the author of Hebrews is quoting the Psalms. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and, the, and follow the example of faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How do you trust God when he seems quiet? May I suggest a few changes that I believe we can make to help build our trust in God? And just think for a second, what, what would it look like? What would my life look like to trust God when circumstances or outcomes seem unknown. The first one is this. The first change I think we can make that'll help build your trust in God is to change your calendar. Change your calendar. You're gonna hear this. If you're around our church at any time, you're gonna hear set a time and a place. A time and a place with God. You wanna grow in your walk with God? Set a time and a place. If you're like, Derek, I don't know where to start. The Psalms is a great place to start. <laughs> Psalms 1 is a great place to start. Change your calendar. The second is change your perspective. Change your perspective. Silence often is just a matter of perspective. In a sense, God is never silent. Like Joe was even saying, look at the cross. 
Let's take a moment, look at the cross, the death, the life, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of King Jesus. That was a world-changing, altering of humanity's history. That is not a silent act. I know for me, often, I probably just need to stop talking and start listening. To turn my ears to the words God is speaking. I know he might be quiet on some specific topics, but he's loud on other topics. I see this in my life. Lord, I'll be focused on one thing. Lord, when is this going to change? When's the situation going to change? When's my circumstances going to change? When, 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 when? And I think he's just over here. Son, remain in me. Trust my process. I got you. I'm your fortress. I got you. Change your perspective. Change your calendar. Change your perspective. Change your environment. I'm not suggesting jumping on a flight and moving back to Australia. I know some good places to go, but only for a visit. (laughs) Change your environment. If you are in an environment that is not conducive to building faith and trust in God, make some changes. Gather around other believers that can encourage you in the Lord. Oh, there's people. I just saw John earlier today, and I come in. I'm like, John, you just encourage. You build my faith when I see you. You build my faith. I'm like, that's amazing. I, I love that. Gather around other believers that can encourage you when you feel like your faith is waning. As Abby said, groups are starting soon, or we'll say, June 11th, sign up for groups. Sometimes we need someone else to be that voice in our life. Now, if you feel like there is the no one right now, you're like, Derek, I still feel super alone. If you feel like there's no one that can fill that gap, let me fill it right now. If you still have lost hope, I'm here to remind you today, church, that God is for you that he is with you, that he is good and he will not abandon you. His promises will come to pass. He is truly the faithful one. He has a higher perspective than our own. He is the beginning and the end, walking behind, beside, and before you. He is guiding you along your path. Trust in his process. And you know what? Spoiler alert, we know the end of the story. We know the end. Revelation 21, I'll summarize. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things will be gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne, King Jesus, look, I am making a new thing. He said, write this down for what I tell you is true and trustworthy. He said, it is finished. It is finished. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are are thirsty, I give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. That's good news. And lastly, as the team would come up, I think one of the best things that we can change when we're trying to build our trust in God, even when you seem silent or the outcomes seem unknown, is to change our focus. Change our focus. We do this, I believe, like the psalmist, and we respond with praise. Praise is a powerful thing. It will change your circumstances and your situations. The psalmists urge us towards a participatory, not sitting back, to engage in enthusiastic worship. Many, many of the psalms turn from hope or from distress to hope from distress to hope we call it a refrain of praise even though the psalmist may say awake lord where are you he still ends with 
Lord, you're good. You're my God. You're good. If you'd stand with me today. I believe that when we pray and praise our way through the Psalms, it moves us from being focused on what our preoccupation or the challenge or the struggle, whatever's in front of us, it moves us away from that and it lifts, it lifts our eyes on him. It gives us a patient, steadfast hope for the future. This is gonna be our response as we close. I wanna read one of my favorite Psalms to you guys. This is a Psalm, David in the wilderness, getting hunted down and this is his words, crying out for God. I wanna pray this over us today and then I want us to respond to King Jesus in worship. If you would, just lift your hands. Lift your hands as an act of surrender, Lord. This is our posture to you. You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. Lord, we have seen you in the sanctuary. We have beheld your power and your glory. Because your love, Lord, is better than life. Our lips, Lord, will glorify you. We will praise you as long as we live. In your name, O God, we will lift up our hands. Lord, we will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, our mouths will praise you. O God, we will praise you. Church, let us respond in worship. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.